Watch your mouth, would you? Careful with what you're saying. You know, this is, this is not just anywhere. This is the House of Commons. You can't say that kind of thing to people. Well, this is the thing that's going on right now. This is political debate in Canada. On this Thursday, the Prime Minister has been accused of unparliamentary language in the House. And to talk about that and a bunch of other things going on politics-wise, I'm pleased to welcome back to the program our political panel, Dr. Laurie Turnbull, who is Associate Professor of Political Science at Dalhousie, and Alex Boudelier, who's our Senior National Politics Reporter for Global News. Laurie, let's begin with you. Fuddle-duddle all over again. Yeah, it might be just me and a Cape Bretoner and me, but unparliamentary language doesn't stress me out too much. I don't know if I'm the right person to ask about this. <laughs> and I mean, for all we hear, right, with, and other people have made this point too, like, for the love of God, for the things that are acceptable or unfortunately are acceptable, the kind of lies and, and ridiculous accusations we hear and the way that parliamentarians talk to one another sometimes, <laughs> Prime Minister drops an F-bomb, I'm not going to stress out about that. Uh, Alex, I, I know you got some salty language. Uh, what, what do you make of this? Well, it's your fault for bringing two Cape Retiners on the same political program. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what you're expecting. Uh, look, I just spent uh, you know a few weeks walking around in the snow with people draped in F Trudeau flags outside the House of Commons. So I'm not really sure that one F bomb inside the House of Commons is going to greatly affect our political discourse in this uh, in this country. But again, that could be the Cape Breton in me. All right. All right, let's move to something of a little more substance, and that is the leak uh, out of the U.S. Supreme Court that indicates the justices are going to overturn Roe v. Wade, the landmark abortion case in the United States. And, of course, I uh, made a lot of news in this country, a lot of discussion about that. Um, tell me where the liberals are, Alex, here, and also maybe just give me a sense of what we heard from the interim leader for the conservatives once this leak came out. Well, you know, I think that for the Liberals, um, they've made a lot of promises around protecting access to abortion and, uh, services and, and improving access to abortion services. But as our Amanda Connolly uh, wrote over at globalnews.ca yesterday, um, they haven't exactly made good on all of those promises. Um, I think, you know, politically, um, certainly this is a government that considers, considers itself a feminist government. Certainly yesterday you saw uh, a whole lot of uh, rhetoric and promises from the Liberals on this. Less so from the Conservatives. You know, we reported that interim leader Candace Bergen tried to keep the lid on her own MPs from speaking out about the draft decision. Um, and I think that that's because, you know, while the social conservative movement is, a, you know, sort of a vocal and highly organized faction within the party, most Conservatives know that this is a huge political risk for them. Um, there's some polling I was looking at from uh, Leger today that showed, you know, not only do most Canadian voters think the Conservative leader should uh, support a woman's right to choose, but most Conservative voters feel the same way about their party leadership. Um, you know, but that doesn't mean that issue is going to go away for them. Whoever ends up leading the party into the next election, I think, will have to be crystal clear on this position. Um, you know, even if it hasn't changed, uh, you know, since Stephen Harper was the leader of the party and Stephen Harper was able to sort of successfully walk that fine line, uh, we saw, you know, in 2019 that this really hurt Andrew Scheer because even if his position was the same, I don't think he was able to effectively convince Canadians of that. So so I don't think there's any doubt that that hurt them. Uh, Laura, you think this, um, the fact that we're in the middle of a, a, a campaign here for leadership, so we we don't have a single leader who can come out and make a statement, and instead we have this, this interim leader uh, memo saying, you know, just everybody be quiet. I'm just wondering, is that the right move here? I mean, do the Conservatives have any other play, considering they don't have a leader other than just be quiet? 
I mean, I think it is a bit of a challenge, right? In that the leadership candidates are not all of one mind, obviously, on where they want to put the party on an issue like this and whether they see this as an issue that we're all, we all have to be of one mind about it or if it's something that leaders would allow members to introduce private members or mem- uh, private members' bills or motions to, you know, that has something to do with this topic. And so given the fact that that's an open question at this point, it is a tricky spot for the party to be in. Now, that said... Uh, tonight included, it's also an opportunity now that the party has people's attention to really talk about where they are on these kinds of issues. I mean, and some of the candidates we've heard, you know, this, you know, a government under my name would do, do nothing to try to regulate abortion. Other candidates are in a different space around, you know, perhaps legislation designed at prohibiting sex selection abortions, which is, is, you know, in some ways a way of indicating where you are on the value spectrum as opposed to anything else. And so I think, yeah, like it's, it's something that, that is, for once, the conservatives are responding to the abortion question, not because the liberals fired it up into, in order to get them twisted around themselves, but because this actually came from outside of our borders. But it's something that we're all talking about now. Let's move to the Ontario election. Bit of a sleepy start to get going. Uh, Polling suggesting that the Doug Ford Conservatives have strengthened their lead over Stephen Del Duca in a statistical tie. The Ontario Liberals with the Ontario NDP and our latest polling suggesting that the Greens are in fourth place with 5%. Alex, early going on this one, uh, what's your sense of, uh, is this just all Doug Ford's to lose? Well, first, a little shameless plug that Colin DeMello, our, our Queen's Park Bureau chief, and I are going to be doing a weekly wrap-up every Sunday, or every Saturday, sorry, of the developments in the election. So your uh, listeners can go to globalnews.ca for that. Um, but I think, yeah, absolutely, I think it's been a, a slow start, and that favors the incumbent, right? Um, you know, I keep seeing polling saying that affordability issues are top of mind for Ontarians right now in this election. But, you know, all three major parties are going to have their own sort of set of grab bag policies to address those issues. Um, you know, think uh, Andrea Horath's uh, announcement on dental care today, Del Duca's announcement on one dollar uh, transit fares, um, the Ford government's license plate sticker refunds. You know, from a campaign perspective, I'm not sure that anybody has really owned this issue as of yet. And I think, again, that's particular trouble for the opposition parties, right? Because I, I really don't feel that they've made the case for why change is necessary. And I think you need a really clear answer to that question um, for, to, you know, sort of cut through the noise of of, uh, of a pretty sleepy election so far. Yeah, and, and that whole idea of, you know, is it a change election? We don't see that kind of rippling through the um, electorate like we did in 2018, Laurie. No, not at all. I mean, the 2018 election was so fiercely a change election, there was no doubt, you know, that that was in the air. And I think for Ford at this point, like, he's in an interesting spot in the sense that he has a majority government. And, you know, I don't know, like, what was it, two years into his, a year and a half into his mandate, he gets COVID. You know, not he gets COVID, but we, we all get get the, the reality of COVID. And this becomes the dominant issue for provincial governments, obviously. And so it puts him in a very different different position, I think, than he was in when he sought his first government. It would be unusual for, for voters not to give a majority government, you know, a second mandate. And in, in his case, there's a lot, I think, that he obviously, like every other premier, wasn't able to control. He went into this election with the kind of budget that you would expect from another political party, not from the Doug Ford of 2018. And so in some ways, it's going to be an interesting shift for him to try. I mean, I think he's, he's responding to what he knows is true of voters and their priorities at, that, at this point. But is he going to be able to pull that kind of shift off? And it comes, to, it, it, you know, with each party kind of promising things along the way 
it becomes who do you trust to deliver these things. And so it's, it will still be a referendum on Doug Ford. It will still be a referendum on how he handled COVID-19. But there's going to be a lot of blame shifting, too, around things like the long-term care situation, education, whose fault it is when uh, certain areas are not in the shape that they should be. So lots of that back and forth, I think. Lori, great to have you on. Alex, great to talk to you as well. Please, both be well. You too. Take care. Laurie Turnbull, Associate Professor of Political Science at Dalhousie. Alex Boudelier, Senior National Politics Reporter for Global News.